No, this episode will contain spoilers for book 15, The Flames of Hope. If you haven't read the book, I would highly recommend clicking off this episode. If not, please take a seat. I have a lot I want to talk about. very clearly the day I got Flames of Hope. I was ecstatic and read most of it in one day. I was a bit disappointed. This is one of the four books I have ever had to wait to release, and definitely the worst. With, without further ado, let's dive into this discussion. I'm going to start with some of the good parts of the book, then I'll do some more negative topics, which is probably going to be the longest part, and then I'll finish off with a few more good things to make it a complete circle. Um, <laughs> the book started phenomenally. We learned quite a bit about Luna and how she hated waiting for everything to happen. She wanted to be in on the action. Then they all start flying to Pantella. I loved hearing Luna's annoyances that she can't map pineapple to a tapestry because of how much he changes color. We also get a bunch of Kibley jokes. Kibley was the highlight of the book. Only three chapters in, we get a giant, really exciting battle. This is one of the best scenes when it comes to plot and tensions in the book. This battle reminds us clearly why they may destroy the other mine, but that is one of the only parts we get to help us remember what is actually at stake. If this same tension lasted throughout the book, this would have been A tier. But until Luna falls into a hole in a deep pit in a giant cave far beneath the surface, this is the only important scene that has to do anything with the other mine. Except for a few throwaway comments from people saying, oh no, maybe this character has the other mind because we haven't seen them. This leads to another point. The other mind's little twist sucked. Apparently, the other mind wasn't Queen Wasp and it wasn't a random sentient plant. Apparently, it's a human that still lives despite the fact that he caused the scorching over 5,000 years ago. Cottonmouth also has the most annoying introduction ever. The story of the scorching is very, was very underwhelming, and usually whenever I read it, I just skip through it. Cottonmouth, well, want to know why he got to be leader of the abyss? The reason why is because he has boxing gloves. I mean, does that make sense to anybody? One final thought, wrapping up this kind of section. Um, the emperor of whichever kingdom Cottonmouth was in is pretty much just Queen Wasp, but a human. The posters talking about them phrase almost identically, like there's one in the scorching saying, the emperor protects us all. I'm pretty sure there's also one in the, the hive saying, the queen protects us all. <laughs> if the guide to the dragon world isn't releasing, I would imagine that the scorching was literally just put in because this could be the end of the series, but guide to the dragon world is releasing. So I don't know. The Scorching is immediately followed by Luna and Dusky spending the rest of the book in a big hole. 
with a zombie dragon who paints everything, and a corpse with a plant growing from his cranium. The rest of the book does have exciting stuff happen, unlike the first book, book start, the start, um, well, yeah, has exciting stuff happening. Luna doesn't participate in anything except for, um, killing two characters. <laughs> well, okay, let's just think about this. Queen Wasp gets the Queen Scarlet treatment. Luna wasn't there. There was a giant battle between all the mind control dragons and the stealth team. Luna wasn't there. Other very unremarkable events that I cannot remember happened. Luna wasn't there. Do you see the pattern? After trying to get the bratty lizard to understand the true meaning of life, the lizard eventually decides that, well, I am doing nothing with my life, and if I die, Cottonmouth dies, and he sucks, and the world will be saved. So, yeah, Luna, this is how I die. I can die. We do get the sacrifice we were hoping for that adds some emotional stakes and tensions and regrets and makes victory feel much more sweet. But actually, no, we didn't get any of that. We just get sacrificed the character we only know from the second half of the book. Okay, time for the good stuff again. After the lizard, <coughs> I mean, freedom died, Luna proceeds to sit on the honey drops. I, I love this little callback. Lunatel is one of my favorite ships. It's one of the actual only ones I enjoyed. And well, seeing this was really cute. I also loved all the small memories that were shared in this book. Luna is one of my favorite protagonists because of how much we know about her before her actual book. We got so many tidbits of information about the hides, and I was all for it. I would have never guessed that Silkwings run track or that Recess is literally just walking around a walkway with various threats of death and also Sorotel flavored pancakes. I also really like the idea of the Leaf Silk Kingdom. I guess that this is a form of indirect democracy, because, well, yeah. <laughs> there are a lot, too many people for it to just be a monarchy. And usually with councillor form of government, it's like how the Kingdom of the Sea did it with one from each branch of governing, and then, or the oligarchy that I think Talon was? I'm, yeah, it, it was Talon. Wait, no, it was Valor. The oligarchy, either Talon or Valor was, I'm not fully sure, with the three dragon, wait, dragon watchers? It's been a while since I've read Dragon Slayer. <laughs> so, yeah, it, I guess it's democracy because there are too many people for having a monarchy or council system. Though, Small runs work better. I'm getting really off topic. <laughs> uh, well, as I meant by indirect democracy, an indirect democracy is when the people elect leaders that they seem, think will make good laws. I like how some of the highlings chose to live in the Leaf Silk Kingdom, proving that not all of them are mean. Although, I do really question why some highlings still want Queen Wasp, mind control and all, to quote Luna. And another little tiny thing I liked about the Flames of Hope is how in the last few pages, in the end of the last chapter, in book 11, the, the first arc, 
it talks about change, more specifically how in Blue's life, how Blue's life and perspective changed throughout the book. And the epilogue of Flames of Hope talks about how Luna changed the world of many dragons. Maybe it was a coincidence, but I still found it fun. This was fun. I've wanted to talk about the issues this book had for a while, specifically the fact that the climax of the arc happened in a dark pit. But well, I thought that this would be the perfect opportunity to make this because a few days ago I just finished rereading Flames of Hope. If you are still here, I would like to say thank you. I'm trying to put more effort into my podcast, so I'm really grateful. Also, how's this outro music? It's a song that I wrote on Christmas break on a vacation. And, well, I eventually remastered it and it turned into the current song for the Winsfire Podcasters as Musical Monsters thing. I mean, I want to put up some similar, some side-by-sides, although the first verse of the song I pretty much completely changed. Yeah, okay, enough ranting. This is Trustseeker flying out. Goodbye, have a good day.